This podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Publisher's Desk Podcast Network and the Reality Check Podcast Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, sit down, sit up. What you looking at, Buttercup? Welcome to the latest edition of Inspired with Christopher. That's right, baby. I'm inspired to be wired. I'm too blessed to be stressed, but I must admit I'm too legit to quit, baby. And that's right, because you know what? The one thing with inspiration, the one thing that it has in common is a subject matter that I love, and that being truth with truth. You can set people free with truth. You can bring people not only closer to God, but closer to others that you greatly care for. And through truth, you discover greater understanding within this walk that we all have called life. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, one of my great friends, he's with me. He's along for the ride. He is the realest guy in the room when it comes to sports and entertainment journalism. He's not a dirt cheat writer because he's not full of shit like dirt cheat writers. <laughs> yes, he is in somewhat the field, but he tells it like it is. He doesn't make shit up. And for people out there that can't deal with it, I'm sorry. Go grab a hanky. Go grab toilet paper. Go grab whatever you need to grab to cover those tears because... We, quite frankly, don't feel bad for you. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brad Shepard is with me tonight. And Brad, brother, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How about yourself? I am fantastic, brother. I mean, uh, things are going good for me. And uh, we are, we're currently in the process of uh, moving at the moment. So, like, right now, things are kind of crazy at the house but i cannot really complain because we're trading city life for country life um we currently live in a town called Myrtle beach south carolina and like we're moving to a town called conway which is about 30 minutes south of where we're at now and and for people out there that think that myrtle beach is such a wonderful place it's so glamorous for the residents that live here you literally, you can walk outside and you could see a crackhead, a prostitute, um, a homeless guy, and a drive-by all within the same area, all within the same day. So needless to say, it's not fair for my kids to be raised in, in this environment. So, so like we found a quarter acre of land. They're gonna be able to go outside and play. The worst thing that they're going to have to worry about is not getting shot, but maybe stepping on a a ant hill, and that's cool with me, brother. That's yeah. cool with me. So, um, before like we move on to like the main subject, uh, when it comes like to uh, your view on like living, would you consider yourself more of a city guy or more of like a country guy? I mean, what's your style and how do you like to live? When it yeah, comes good question. Yeah, I've never actually been asked that before. It's a good question. Um, I think growing up, I was mostly a city guy for really most of my life. But as I got a little bit older, I would say somewhere into my mid to late 30s. Uh, you know, I'm 41 now, so... For me, I, I just really started to crave that country life. Uh, so uh, eventually I would love to be 
out in the country with a lot of land, without a lot of neighbors, uh, being able to live a free life uh, away from people, you know, that that would be ideal to me. So I, I think, yeah, city guy who really, as I've gotten older, has turned into, you know, wanting to be a little more private, have a little more land, you know, uh, those type of things. So I totally get that. Most definitely, man. And like, the thing is, is that, um, my wife, uh, which I've been married to her for like nine years, uh, whenever like we first got married, she was very like pro beach, very very pro living here, and now, like you're speaking of, the the older that you get, like the more you want to have that privacy, the more you want to have that peace, the more. Quite frankly, like the more people piss you off, so you want time to yourself. You you want your own slice slice of paradise, slice of nirvana, and yep. like yeah, man, we all seek that. And um, when it comes to things like that, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say um, something. Uh, like we talk about the experiences with with peace and misery and things like that based off where we choose to live but also like the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that misery and happiness have one thing in common and that and that being that they are a choice you wake up and based off your circumstances you can choose whether to make the best of it or you could choose to just be miserable angry and just be a pessimist which I tell people, okay, um, which which it's kind of like a uh, pro wrestling, like uh, with DDP, okay? It's not a bad thing, but it's a good thing. And it, it's a matter of how you see it. Now, most people, especially down here, they are a, 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 a jar half full. And they see like the positivity in most circumstances. But I've noticed, especially whenever I lived up north, that people were extremely negative, extremely angry, and everything else. Just fight off, just fight off fucking rude. And that kind of goes to what like we're talking about tonight. Like with that, um, and you have people that are purposely happy because they're nature that way. And then you have people that are happy because of choice because of because of ulterior motives because of what they can get out of it and something that's extremely unfortunate is that people that choose to use that happiness to take advantage of others normally they come across the others who see happiness and joy and and absolutely everything they see and they don't how do i say this they don't take people's word for it they just tend to go based off their experiences with with the individuals but unfortunately that normally leads to heartbreak and that normally leads to strained relationships time and time and time again and i find it frustrating because we're gonna be blunt here 
which we're not going to name names with the exception of Vince Russo. Okay, that's the only name that we're going to name because, quite frankly, Vince, he is the only one that me, 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 me and Brad give a shit to even give a plug to. So with that said, Vince Russo, he is a wonderful man. He he's done so much when it comes to helping me gain exposure with my show. He's done so much when it's even come to me getting money for my surgery for my neck and and for my spine. So it breaks my heart when certain people take advantage of him over and, and over and over. And yet the man, his kindness blinds him from seeing the truth. Now, Brad, with your life experience, would you consider yourself someone that gives the benefit of the doubt right away? Or do you normally try to read that person right off the bat? Well, I do read people. I think that's in my nature. And, and a lot of that comes from my law enforcement career is yeah. because that was my training, right? So that's my instinct. But, you know, as I really kind of evolved into the civilian lifestyle and was able to really kind of let my guard down, so to speak, and and be normal again, uh, I really do try to give people the benefit of the doubt. At the same time, I'm, I think I'm cognizant of situations and people depending on the circumstances but i do try to you know, see the best in everyone at first um and, and give everyone that opportunity and because frankly that's what i would want people to do with me okay okay now what this is kind of going this is kind of like a sidebar here but when it comes to like your law your law enforcement um uh, work. What's your view on what's going on right now? Do do you think the cops are being treated unjustly, or do you think that they're getting what they deserve? What's your view on that, based off how the cops are being treated? I think it's a very complex discussion that is impossible to take place over a tweet uh, or on social media, and that's really what makes it difficult. Is because that's how we interact with people. Yet. You know, we're trying to do that in 280 characters. You can't solve problems in 280 characters. Um, but I'll say this, you know, I, I think the biggest problems of law enforcement today is the militarization of police. You know, um, that has to be demilitarized, the police force in general. Um, and, and then I think the other thing is just breaking that blue wall of silence, that code um, where they where they stay silent when they should be speaking up. And so those are a couple of things that to me are really important. And again, I base that on, you know, not one situation or, you know, just being a civilian, but actually being on both sides of the coin, which I think is unique. Um, so I've seen all perspectives. So those are the two things I've really seen that are important uh, because you're almost trained into believing everyone is trying to kill you, right? And, and so you're always on this high level alert um, you know, and, and it's a really difficult thing. Um, so you're trying to find that balance, but it, there's, you, that could be a real, real long conversation, a good, important conversation. But ultimately I think those are the two things that we have to change. And I think it comes down to being reasonable as well. Um, getting rid of the police is not the answer, uh, that you may think that's the answer until you need 911. So you have to find, how do we fix the issues of law enforcement? So 
we're getting rid of these cases of brutality, which we see. Um, absolutely. It's a fact. Um, and, and I think part of that is you get that us versus them mentality. It's that blue wall, us versus them. Uh, and you begin to believe that you're a higher authority or power than you are instead of treating everybody like human beings. Um, so I think really just kind of breaking down that us versus them mentality and holding them accountable. I think, you know, the video cameras have been a great thing. And, and I think all police officers should have to wear body cams. I do. They need accountability, just like we all do. You know, they do a really important job. When McDonald's messes up my cheeseburger, it may make me mad. But at the end of the day, who really gives a damn? <laughs> when true. a cop messes up, that could be an enormous fucking deal. Pardon my French. Yep. So we have to hold them to a higher standard and, and we have to have them be accountable and we have to have the good officers be willing to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. That's completely unnecessary. Why is your knee on his neck? That is deadly force. Stand up, get off of him. The situation's under control or the um, elderly gentleman who was pushed down on the ground during one of the protests. And really, that, that was in, I believe, New Jersey. And, um, you know, they just kind of pushed him out of the way. And he's obviously frail and elderly. He fell down and he was hurt. Someone mentioned he was bleeding out of the ear. I'm not sure. But the point being, that was a completely unnecessary thing to do. The force was unnecessary. Uh, it, and those are the kind of things where you need other cops to say that was out of line. That was inappropriate. That was excessive force. And they have to be held accountable by their peers. You know, they have to police themselves as well. But ultimately, what we've learned is the police can't police the police. We need civilian accountability for the police force. And, and that is the best way to go about it. We can't just presume anymore. Oh, there was a complaint. Oh, they shoved someone down inappropriately. We'll take care of it. No, 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 no. What does that mean? You'll take care of it. What are we going to do about that? How are we going to prevent it? And in some of these officers' cases where they have a history of complaints and excessive force, you have to be willing to fire these people. And granted, sometimes unions and other things play a part and get in the way of that. But we have to be willing to elect leaders that are going to hold them accountable as well. So there's that aspect to it, too. Again, it's a really complex, nuanced conversation that we can't solve now. But I do think there needs to be accountability to the police. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called, Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did you have a bad day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. Um, and at the same time, we do I have to understand they do a really hard job. It's largely a thankless job. I don't think anybody 
is calling 911 to say, hey, my wife and I are having a great relationship. We're just here having a good time. What do you think about that? No, <laughs> it's because there's a domestic violence situation, right? So the, the point being is, you know, it's difficult situations. We understand that. That's why the standard needs to be so high. I agree. I agree. And like for me, um, which, uh, which first off, most people don't know this, but that move that was done on Mr. Floyd, that was banned within the police force. So that was uh, a move that was banned years ago due to that simple fact because of you're cutting off the oxygen to the brain. And yes, it, it, that's excessive force. And then on top of that, like for me, uh, for people that know me um, and for like the people like that don't know me, um, my mom and dad, they raised me in Baltimore City. So first off, go Ravens. Uh, Secondly, um, when I was a teenager, my mom and dad, they wanted me to know what it meant to protest, what it meant to get your voice out there. So they took me down to protest with Representative Elijah Cummings. For people that don't know who Mr. Cummings is, he was one of the main men that marched with, with, with Dr. King during, during the Civil Rights Movement. Um, and the main reason why we were protesting was because the Baltimore city cops were getting, were getting a a way like with ludicrous crimes, um, like with planting drugs on people and, and, uh, things like that. Not saying that all the cops were terrible by no means, because, there's the bad apples that ruin it for like the whole bunch, but 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 Neil's to say there was uh, the Baltimore City cops. They're the reason why they're body cams now. They're the main reason why for that. the The wonderful show called The Wire. You can thank the Baltimore City cops for that. And with protests, okay, regardless of whether like you're black, white, it, it, it doesn't matter. Period. Because we are all human beings. The main race that matters is the human race, okay? People say black lives matter, white lives matter, and that's great. And and if you want to express yourself that way, go for it. But we need to stop with this division and separation, and we need to unite when it comes to colors, period. When it comes to religions, differences, we can agree to disagree but we can agree that we are a family and and people just don't seem to get that because they're so stuck stuck like with like their hashtag bullshit that they don't want to see the bigger picture and it just frustrates the hell out of me and um and like i just want people like to realize that you need to open up your eyes and see the world for what it is, and think, what can I do? What steps can I take to better the lives of other people? And that's where change starts. You can protest all you want, but it's kind of like prayers. Prayers without action fall on deaf ears. And... And it's kind of like with those conservative politicians, every single time 
every single time there's a school shooting, thoughts and prayers this, thoughts and prayers that, that doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry. Okay, guys? And which if you are a Republican, awesome. If you're a Democrat, awesome. Because I because I'm not picking sides here, but like the point is, is that just like prayers, if you're gonna march, mean it, do something about it. And for those bad apples that want to take advantage and be like the like those wolves in sheep's clothing and think, awesome, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to go go break into like a Walmart and and still like a flat screen think to yourself this is pushing back the progress that's being made so please think before you do stuff think before you act think before you tweet and speaking of tweeting brad this brings me up to like my next subject and that being brother you've been known to be a brutally honest guy you are your your damn it my stutter your accuracy rating on your reporting is flawless and there's certain people like within your life uh speaking of wolves in sheep's clothing that want to make your life a living hell and this involves someone that we greatly care for, like that being Vince Russo. And we're not calling Russo out because Russo's not the person, but someone that Russo he's involved with, he's trying to tear you down. He's trying to tear me down, John down. He's trying to tear down anybody that sticks up for you, period. And brother, with this platform, what do you got to say? Not only for Vince, but for you, what when it comes to you being true to who you are. Yeah, for Vince, I would just say, you know, be careful of the company you keep. Um, you know, this particular person, and, and I don't want to mention the name. And Chris, we talked about this before we he went on air, deserve- but he doesn't deserve it. I don't want to give him the attention because ultimately that's what he craves based on the behavior. Um, he's desperate to be relevant. And frankly, the truth is he's now more relevant than he has been in years because of Vince. But I will just say this. If Ryan Satin had an older twin, more, I guess, more effeminate looking twin brother, um, <laughs> it, that's who this person would look like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to say the name, brother. You guys um, can do the research. Okay, I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this person has a lengthy history of nasty behavior, uh, unprompted and unprovoked. And they play the victim card themselves, which is pretty ironic because that's what they accuse the other people of doing that they're in conflict with. Uh, But, you know, I would just say. To people like that, do better because you can still be honest and truthful while while still not be, being a complete scumbag. I, I mean, you really can do that. It's very possible. So, you know, there's no need to attack everybody to get attention. Uh, and, and unfortunately, like this is one time that the wrestling journalists are right. I call it like I see it. You know, it's fair to say those guys are pretty terrible. And they're social justice warriors. 
but sometimes they're right. And in this case, they're right about this guy. You know, um, he's just got a lengthy history. And if you have followed him or you're aware of him at all over the past several years, then you know uh, what a complete disgrace and joke he is um, and how much he's not worth anybody's time or attention. And, and I guess, you know, that's the dirty truth. Yes, you're right. And very, very dirty. And, and like, the thing is, is that uh, for people that want to attack Brad, if you're following me on Twitter and you don't like Brad, please do me a favor. Kiss my ass and please unfriend me because I don't want nothing to do with you. Yes, I will pray for you. Yes, I hope you guys have a great life. But until you change your attitude and, and until you stop kissing the ass of people that, quite frankly, don't give two shits about you, please don't be my friend. I just don't want the drama. And for me personally, like my father taught me, you're better off having a small group of friends that are true to you, that are straight up there for you for the long haul, rather than a large group of 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 acquaintances, quite frankly, that wouldn't even piss on you if you were on fire. And there's so many people like that within your life, Brad. And within my life, and and like within John's life, uh, for example, me and John, we just dealt with uh, John fired uh, two people off of his network, uh, which is which which by the way is the Reality Check Podcasting Network, which which that's the network that my show is on right now. Um, thank you, John, for that. By the way. Uh, and we had to fire them because of their they got their heads so full of of uh, delusions of grandeur that they thought that they were bigger than what they were. So so John had to put them within their place and said, you can either straighten up or or you're not going to have a show. Quite frankly, whenever we moved to the to like the website called which i think it's art 14 or something like that i'm sorry guys thank you guys by the way um it's either art 14 or 17 something like that we got moved to a bigger network um and a broader platform and they didn't even want one of these shows to come over because they didn't draw diddly squat but John stuck his neck out and still brought this person on, and they were still acting like a complete stuck-up, ignorant, big-headed jackass. And just so, Brad, I mean, we can r relate to what you're going through, man. It's frustrating. I mean, um, I just really want people like to realize, especially like with what's going on, Let's just be kinder to one another. Let's be nicer to one another. But, but if you're not going to be, then please take that shit elsewhere. Take that hatred elsewhere. Take that ignorance elsewhere. 
because it's not because our lives are way too short for us to deal with that bullshit. And uh, Brad, brother, I just want to say, I mean, between you and John, you guys have really helped me when it comes to me sticking up for myself, speaking my mind and not backing down. So thank you for that. I do appreciate it. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, really, when I hear from people and I don't think sometimes people realize how much support I really have. Uh, sometimes they don't want the heat of, of doing it publicly because they become a target. Uh, so sometimes it's private or, you know, et cetera. And, and so I, I really do enjoy the support. I get the feedback that's positive. Like you're talking about, that means a lot to me. It genuinely does. So thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Like you're welcome. And like, the thing is, is that, um, when I posted that tweet in support of you a few nights ago saying that if you don't, that if you want to continue like to tear Brad down, then don't even be friends with me. Literally like within 20 minutes, 11 people unfriended me and straight up good. That's fine with me because that shows your true character. and. And like uh, between that and plus like the guy last truth dude, um, that another problem that me and John have like with certain people is the whole thing with politics. Okay. And like, the thing is, is that we can respectfully have a conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with us as long as they have that respect in return. But unfortunately, with a certain group of radical right-wingers, which it's not all of them, don't get me wrong, because there's a lot of great Republicans out there, okay? But some of the ones that we've dealt with lately, they have, which they happen to be on our, which they happen to be former workers on our network, um, that's partially what pushed us over the edge and when it comes like to getting rid of them because me and John like would post things on Facebook um, basically speaking like th th the truth on being able to hold the president accountable for his actions. And we're not bashing the guy. We just want him to do a better job because think about it this way, guys. Why would we want the driver of the Titanic to run into more icebergs? He's the one that's leading the way. Why would why would we want him to fail? We don't want him to fail. We want him to do better. But but you can't do better by not acknowledging your mistakes. And we're just simply trying to point that out and people they get offended because I swear to god they worship this man. And it's funny um, it, because I talk to people and I tell them, yes, I am a liberal Christian. And they stare at me like, that doesn't exist. We're, we're just like, uh, hold on. We, 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 we're just like albino redheads. Okay. We're very, very rare, but we exist, okay? 
So I just want like to tell people, I mean, regardless of what you believe in, uh, it, it, if you're going to be hateful towards me and, and not be willing to hear me out and n- not agree to disagree, then, uh, then please take that shit elsewhere. And Brad, I mean, like with you, brother, I mean, you're willing to deal like with people and with 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 differences and views how do you deal with that like within your life like with people with opposing views you know i think it's it's more difficult right now because we're in such a uh divisive hyper political time uh so everything is is um taken to the next level a lot more easily but you know, I just tried to keep it about the facts, the truth, common sense, logic, what's reasonable, and 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 take most of the emotion out of it uh, because you know facts are facts, and I understand people have feelings, but to to really communicate and get through perspectives and and solve problems, we need facts, and so I, I try not to get upset when. When somebody is emotional about, uh, you know, a policy or a politician or a particular topic, because that's something that they genuinely believe in. And, and so I'm not trying to insult that. I'm just trying to understand their perspective, where they're coming from and find out where, you know, what I think and, and what they think and where the facts come into play and where it all kind of connects. Uh, so I, I don't get, you know, like a lot of stuff doesn't bother me. And I guess. You know, I've always just from, you know, military and law enforcement and uh, just my personality, I've never gotten like hyper emotional about people's feelings about other topics, especially strangers. Like, why on earth would that bother me? You know, uh, that someone thinks I'm a son of a bitch or, you know, that someone thinks I'm a moron or, you know, you know, maybe they think I'm too moderate. Maybe they think I'm too independent. They want me to come to, to a more extremist view. Um, I, I just don't let people's opinions bother me. They have their opinion. They have the right to that. And, and I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody because. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side, available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at... Is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. If we can't talk about things, how on earth are we going to solve them? If we can't talk about police brutality and this case in Minneapolis... How are we going to solve the big picture problem? If we can't talk about political issues, how are we going to solve these problems? So we all have to fucking toughen up, grow up, be adults, and have these uncomfortable conversations. That's part of being an adult. 
Uh, that's life. And so, you know, I, I, I just think that's the way I look at it. Oh, yeah, brother. And like the thing is, is that with all due respect, especially with this generation that's coming up, and just one quick thing, like my mom and dad said to me, you're going to notice that you're getting older whenever you start having problems with the generation that's coming after you. Yeah. And like the God honest truth is like with these damn millennials, like the whole self-entitlement thing, the whole thing, like with where they with they they know everything. They have the answers to everything. And for you to correct them. You're you are a racist. You're a homophobe. You're this. You're that. You're the other. And it drives me crazy because it's like you said, that plays into the whole social justice warrior shit. That's the millennial mentality. And it drives me crazy because that shuts down the discussion part with people like with differences, because either you're because it's either you are for this side or 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 you're for that side but but god forbid you come to a uh you come to a impasse where you can uh what's the word that's missing that we have not been able to do for many many years oh yeah compromise compromisation is a wonderful tool for the for the advancement of society ladies and gentlemen so so we can do this we have the potential to do it and with these millennials i'm sorry that i'm ranting and raving you guys have you guys are so book smart you're extremely intelligent but you have no fucking common sense whatsoever so so it kind of concerns me that they're going to be the ones that are taking care of us whenever who you're old and we are decrepit but but anyways sorry guys i'm just ranting and raving here but anyways brad i just want to say man i greatly value your service and and your sacrifice because regardless of whether people like it or not your service and sacrifice <laughs> you're part of the reason why that I can speak like I do. You're part of the reason why we can have this podcast chat. You're part of the reason why I can talk about Jesus without the fear of being murdered like the majority of the countries within the world because people take it for granted, their basic rights and freedoms, and they don't recognize that that people like you and John and my brother and my grandfathers had to fight and sacrifice for that. So for the people out there that want to disrespect Brad, for me personally, it's more than just, just him being a reporter. It's what he's done for us with, with being a with being with being in law enforcement like with being within like the military because that takes so much courage that the majority of us don't even have so please hopefully people that hear this that have a differing view on you they can hear this and think to themselves well wait a minute we never knew that he was a soldier we never knew that he was in in law enforcement maybe 
we were being jackasses about it. Maybe we can compromise and not agree like with his views, like, like with wrestling, but respect the fact that he sacrificed so we can have those views without being judged or being persecuted. Like the majority of countries do, man, it pisses me off to the max. And for me personally, with the exception of serving God, there's no greater honor than serving your country. And yeah. you notice the majority uh, uh, of the people that call you out, that call John out, they've never served a day in in their lives. Yeah. But but yeah, like they're t- keyboard tough guys. What's your view on these keyboard tough guys that have no respect for the sacrifice? that you've made and John made and many, many others. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously losers. Uh, so there's that, but I think you just have to look at it. Like one, they know who I am. I don't know who they are. So the perspective of that, that they've placed me on this pedestal, this, this idea that I'm important. Um, and they're so concerned about my views that they have to respond that's very telling automatically when you really dive into that. Um, so, so I guess I should be honored in a way, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because my opinion is just my opinion. There's a million of those, uh, about Adam Cole and NXT and flips and dives and professional wrestling. And so whatever, but you know, my opinion means as much as you let it mean when it comes to anything, right? Yes, sir. Um, it's just like Dave Meltzer. I don't value his opinion on anything. So with that being said, he could say the dumbest thing possible. And I laugh at it if I see it because it holds no value. And so, again, to these people, they're placing me on this pedestal to where my opinion matters. And it brings out this emotion. And it also makes me think, well, geez, how sad is their life if I make them so upset talking about a TV show? where adults are in spandex fake fighting. <laughs> so it's like, You're right. You're <laughs> I mean, right. when you really think about it, so that's really how I view it. And, and people get so nasty. Um, you know, one person the other day was telling me I'm full of shit. I've never been in law enforcement and I've never served in the military. And there was this wrestling Twitter conspiracy with, with my haters who, you know, kind of spread this fake news and, and of course, there are people who want to believe it or are naive enough to believe it. And so it came around. You never served. You're full of shit. Uh, none of this is true. You're just looking for attention. Well, everybody who knows me in real life would, of course, be laughing at that yeah. because it's just so bizarre. Right. It's obviously true. Um, but it's kind of a weird thing because, like, I, I made these sacrifices and I don't brag about them. But when someone comes through with that, it's like, what a weird thing to say. Um, It's just so weird. Like, I'm sitting here at my house in my office looking at my medals that I received in the military and my DD-214, my release papers from the military. You know, I I pull that out of my ass, right? (laughs) It's it's as fake as the birther. You're you're just like. You're just like Barack Obama's birth certificate. It's fake. Yeah. So there's a lot of fake news spread online for sure. And 
<laughs> and, you know, I, I think the people who did, they're probably the people who get their news from Facebook. But but it's like, you know, and, and then I've got people who who are journalists or want to be journalists, like a, a Sean Sapp, who's saying that basically if I was a cop, I was a desk bitch. You know, and he's telling his audience that at one wow. point. And, and again, his opinion holds no value, but imagine being me. And 14 years ago, I almost died in the line of duty as a police officer. Okay. Uh, I'll go really? into the story a little bit, but I was on my way to an emergency situation on an unfamiliar county back road. And at the time I was a canine unit with the sheriff's department did not have my canine with me, fortunately, uh, but was on my way to back up another deputy, and I was far away. Um, we covered a lot of territory, so I had to move really fast because he was in a really bad situation. Um, it was a dark road. There was no lights, and it came to a U-curve all of a sudden. Bottom line, I wrecked it 100 miles an hour and went airborne for over 60 feet over a T wow. intersection, I hit a billboard sign and hit it so hard that it knocked one of the steel poles in the ground out. Um, I should have died, according to the state trooper who did the accident reconstruction. Holy when, shit, dude. When I, I had blacked out when I went airborne, when I came to, I really came to when I hit the billboard sign and, and dropped down on onto the, um, the grass, the ground. And at first, everything in the car was thrown all over the place. So Fortunately, you know, I'm 6'6", six, six, I have long arms. So I was able to find my uh, portable radio that was on my duty belt underneath the seat. It had been thrown, you know, the the um, the radio I had in the car itself, that was somewhere in the back seat, it had been thrown completely. Um, so I was able to call for help. There was an EMS station nearby, fortunately. and But I couldn't walk at first. Uh, so that was kind of a scary thing. And, you know, I was getting an IV and being loaded into an ambulance. Um, lights and siren to the hospital and being asked things like, uh, what's your name and who's the president and um, what's today? You know, those kind of things, right? So that really puts it into perspective. And so I ended up with a broken back and two crushed vertebrae. And and that was basically the end of my law enforcement career. That ended up being, you know, the the trigger to the end because I just couldn't take the uh, the duty belt and the bullet-resistant vest and the weight that would carry every day around my lower back, which is yeah. where I had like my injury. Um, and I knew it wouldn't be healthy to have to do the 30 years I needed to retire. So, you know, I, I said, yeah, this is not a, a physically healthy thing for me. And yeah. to keep my back in good shape, to be in good shape, to remain healthy, I can't do this anymore, even though it's something that I always wanted to do. So, um, you know, so I, I left the industry and I successfully transitioned into a new industry where I'm at today and still do wonderful. But, you know, the point is, I, I've had a lot of those scenarios. I had a, a foot pursuit with three suspects trying to steal a car in a car lot. And I ended up while I was climbing a six foot wooden fence. Um, I ended up getting that fence post snapped off into my leg. Ow. So I still, Yeah. It hurt a little bit. I caught all three of them is the point. But the side effect to that is I ended up with um, numbness in my leg to this day. There is a section of my leg where I have no feeling, uh, the nerve damage. 
There's just, there's no feeling there. I, I couldn't tell if someone was touching me. And that is from that today. So uh, I tore my MCL, you know, on my knee. I've, I've had a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, I was in a lot of fights, a lot of chases, you know, had a lot of crazy situations that I normally don't talk about because one, I don't like to brag about, you know, my life experience, even though it's abnormal compared to the normal person. But, but two, yeah, some of these are fucked up memories. You know, um, it's not all dandelions and rainbows and sunshine. You know, it's, uh, it's tragic things like dead kids. Um, those are things that will live with you forever that you never forget. So it brings me back to that place. So I, I don't like to kind of normally talk about those things. But when I got that, when I got that, um, that recent tweet from that guy, who was like, you were never in law enforcement. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to nip this in the bud. And because it was relevant to uh, the time of the uh, George Floyd case where I was speaking out and talking about this. And I felt, well, I'm coming from not just uh, a person who's in the wrestling community with a podcast. I'm actually someone who was a police officer. So I felt that added value to what I was saying. Uh, so when someone is discrediting that, yeah, I wanted to let them know, look, um, 14 years ago, I almost died. I should have. I didn't. But, you know, it's it's pretty fucking ridiculous. So imagine being me. You have all these experiences where you go through these things and then some anonymous loser online says it just never happened. It's it's bizarre. You know, it's bizarre. What can you really say? Uh, but again, I'm literally sitting here looking at pictures of me in uniform. <laughs> Everybody who knows me knows I was a cop. Uh, yep. So it's just. So there's a, a strong disconnect from reality with these people online. They, they have like this very false sense of who I am and what I am. And, you know, they think, oh, he was fired from Pro Sports Extra. That's something that uh, Ryan Satin's twin brother said. That's false. You actually quit. I quit. Yeah, and I did. showed the evidence that that was true. Um, the, the person who owns the site said that for site hits, right? Because he has no integrity. Um, but I had the conversation saved. I mean, it's, it's for everybody to see. And I, and I posted that I have nothing to hide, but there's this, this false sense of reality when it comes to me and people kind of want things to be true, even when they're not, it, it's a really, really bizarre thing. And again, I, these people have never had a conversation with me. They don't know me. Uh, I'm a very normal person. They think I'm some 40-year-old virgin basement dweller. Like, I've got news for you. Family man. I'm a family man. I'm married with children. Uh, I have a real job. I'm not a a dirt sheet writer. I'm very successful. Um, And I don't rub it in people's faces, so maybe that's partly my fault. But there's a lot of misinformation, and and I think it just goes to the entire disconnect between What's reality and what's playing out amongst a very tiny group of people on Twitter, for example? Oh, yeah. And thank you so much for that, man. Like that was extremely in-depth and I greatly appreciate it. And like just thank you for your service. And like the one thing that got me right there was the whole thing. And I know it's kind of random, but with you talking about you being thrown 
my guess was because you blacked out, your body didn't stiffen up and that maybe saved your life. Or do you think that that's not the case at all? It's hard to say. I mean, one of the things for sure that had an impact, you know, just just replaying it in my mind was, you know, this really was like a, a sharp U curve with no warning. They did post a sign after my accident, by the way. You know, you've got to love that. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So maybe I helped save someone else. But, uh, you know, when I was trying to when I came upon the curve and and I knew uh, in trying to negotiate the curve, if I tried to make that sharp U-turn, I wasn't going to do it because I was doing 100 miles an hour. Uh, so the reaction time wasn't there. The car is going too fast. You can't negotiate that curve. So I knew I, if I tried to turn left to make that curve, the car would have flipped repeatedly. And that would have definitely ended in, in a death scenario. So what I tried to do was I had a quick decision to make. What do I do? Do I try to negotiate that U-curve with no warning? Or do I make the decision to stay straight and go completely off-road and hold on straight as strong as I can? Um, that's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did. And so that ended up being a really wise decision. Was it a mountain that you were driving off of? Or like, was it a hill? I mean. I'm sorry. It was a bumpy, hilly area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, off-road was a bumpy, hilly area. You know, I think just combined with how fast I was going. And, uh, you know, again, I blacked out, so I, I don't know per se. I just know from the accident reconstruction from the state trooper is that I was airborne for over 60 feet and hit a billboard sign. Um, so that's something you don't ever forget. You know, so uh, I wish I was a desk bitch. <laughs> I mean, that would have saved me from having a, a bad back. But <laughs> here we are. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and and like <laughs> and and like the thing is, is that um, that reminds me of two things right there. The like the first thing is that um, for like for like the people that know me and don't know me. Uh, one of the main reasons why that I started like my podcast, it was a way for me to cope with the death of my dad. Um, and then it kind of morphed into a tribute to like my mom too, because like my mom died as well. Um, and she died due to the fact that my, she was in the car with my uncle. Um, and my uncle was, high on crack uh heroin and he passed out behind the wheel um he ran straight into a telephone pole it killed my mom right away and the doc and and like the cops said that well, my uncle he walked out of the crash without a scratch because his body was so relaxed that it didn't kill him but my mom because of fear and being scared, her body tightened up and that helped with killing her. And it's just kind of like just hearing your story, that kind of that gets me thinking about that. And just then on top of that, you talk about having to come across children passing away. Um, that is one of my biggest fears is my children not burying me and me burying them. And it's just kind of like, for me, I would not 
be be able to function without them. And like the honest truth, guys, is that because I struggle with bipolar manic depression, my wife threatened to divorce me and leave me and take the kids, and that led me to to a suicide attempt that that, that I fortunately didn't succeed. So just imagine if I were to lose one of my kids, that would kill me. Not saying that I would do the same exact thing, but 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 the thought would cross my mind because I can't live without him. Now, if, which if I can't function without my kids being under the same roof, what the hell makes you think that I cannot that, that I wouldn't? That 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 I could function knowing that they're six feet under, and dealing like with my mom passing, it's so tough. It's so hard dealing like with my dad passing. It's so tough. It's so hard. And Brad, like with you being like with you being a a a, a parent, um, when it comes to talking to your children. When it comes to like these real life situations, how do you handle it? How do you approach it? Whatever you, whenever your kids say to you, "Hey, Dad, you're gonna be here for for forever, right?" and you kind of you can't really say yes, but you don't want to scare them. I mean, how do you approach that? I'm sorry. I was going on on a tangent, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe something like, yeah, we hope so. Or, you know, I I think some of it depends on the life experience too. So for example, you know, I I did have a grandmother who passed away this year. Uh, And so I I think my children, thank you. You know, their, their exposure to that is they understand because we had to have a conversation because, you know, their great grandmother, you know, passed away. And so they're going to have questions about that. And so you, I, I try to have some level of transparency and honesty, but you can't give them everything at that age. Right. I mean, you, you just can't, they're not built to handle that level of information um, at its fullest. So you talk about heaven or you talk about, you know, when people are older that they pass away, you know, I really try to walk that line between giving them important information so that they get the concept, but not being so blunt that they have a difficult time emotionally grasping the situation or, or, or dealing with it in the future. Okay. That's a fantastic point. Now, were you a parent when that happened to you, um, like with a near-death experience? No, uh, fortunately not. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't married. Um, You know, I wasn't, didn't have children at the time. Uh, So that was, I I guess, a positive, you know. And it, it, it would be tough now to be going back into the law enforcement world, you know, with the family, uh, with children. You know, those are. Those are things you think about as well. So, oh yeah, man, uh, very true. And this is another prime example to all those keyboard warriors out there that wants to pass judgment on Brad. He's human, just like you. He has emotions, just like you. People, 
please understand we're fathers we're husbands we we bust our ass for what we have please understand that with all due respect that by you constantly cutting us down and tearing us down that that doesn't add value to your life and it doesn't make it where you are a bigger better person that just shows your true character and it shows that we must be doing something right if you have to focus all of your time and your effort into cutting us down so please have respect for yourself have respect for your fellow man and instead of being so quick to judge sit back and listen because we all have a story to tell and we're all more alike than you think. So just think about it this way. Now we can go in all night, but before we go tonight, we're going to have one last subject, a fun subject, uh, because we've been serious the whole entire time. Um, Brad, did you check out the pay-per-view tonight? I did watch the pay-per-view tonight. Yes, I sure did. What'd you think? Jeez, uh, you know, here's here's the um, here's the quandary for me. NXT, I've I've determined is just not a show for me. I don't watch it. I you know, with the exception of being takeovers, um, it's truly a develop developmental league. I think and. You know, I, I just think right now, my biggest problem with NXT, maybe more than anything, is that era of Adam Cole slash Johnny Gargano slash Tommaso Ciampa. I think hey, that hey. era, yeah, that's hurt NXT tremendously. It hasn't proven to be a success. And and I think they need to move on and try some different things. And so I was really frustrated by the Velveteen Dream outcome tonight um, because – Unless he's going to the main roster, and yes, uh, I do consider it the main roster. I'm sorry if you don't like that. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. But unless he's going there, why would he not be champion? There's no excuse why he hasn't been champion at this point. That's the kind of person they need to be pushing. I think Karrion Cross is excellent. He should already be in the main roster. Um, he has no business in NXT. He's a standout immediately. He makes everyone else look bad because he's that good. So when I watch this show, I mean, I have a little nostalgia for the In Your House theme because, well, I was watching those pay-per-views as a fan yes. when they actually happened, right? So so I had that nostalgia for it. Uh, but the, I, w- I would say that show was like, I don't know, it was a 5 out of 10 show to me, which is average. Uh, I, I just don't have a lot of investment in NXT. I could have cared less about the six-woman tag that started the show. Uh, the code orange uh, musical kickoff I thought was awful. And I like the, the rendition of Bray Wyatt's theme song. They do. I just thought this was awful. Uh, you know, Johnny Gargano versus Keith Lee. I, I think Keith Lee needs a personality transplant. And I think Johnny Gargano uh, belongs in junior high school. Like I just don't understand why they're pushing that guy and not only pushing him, but he's literally treated like a physical equal to people like Keith Lee and others. Uh, when he faced Damian Priest, it was the same thing. It's just very frustrating to see a guy that tiny 
against going against much bigger guys who are physically dominant and superior to him. And yet we're meant to believe he's not going to cheat. He's not going to work from underneath. He's just naturally going to be 50-50 physically equals or even in some cases superior to these big guys. It's, it's absurd. There's no psychology. There's nothing believable about it. And it's just – it's ridiculous. I'm so over those guys. They're just it, – it's these little indie darlings who can put on good work rate matches. But, I mean, they don't look like they can hurt a fly. It's just – you know, again, I, I think that's just why NXT is no longer for me. I think there's a period several years ago where NXT was good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm way past it now, though. It, it's not working for me. Um, you know, I, I'm glad to see Charlotte lose the championship because just having her on two or three times a week on WWE TV was, was way too much. That's overkill. Uh, so, yeah, big time. So, you know, um, that's fine. I thought the... Uh, NXT championship match with Adam Cole, the backyard brawl and Velveteen dream should have been the main event, but you know, it was just, it was totally fine. Some of the matches were okay. And, and some I didn't care about. Uh, I like the theme. Obviously I like Todd Pett and Gill. I, I think he still does better than most of the people they have today. Oh uh, God. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, NXT has to realize that what they're doing right now is not working. Consistently, the viewership is telling you that people are not interested in this show because you are part of the WWE umbrella and you've got raw ratings, which granted have consistently slipped. You've got SmackDown ratings, which granted have consistently slipped, but they're still getting multiple times the viewership that you are. And you haven't changed anything at your core about what you're doing. That's and true. yet you expect to improve. That is insanity. So you got to look at what you're doing wrong. And the problem is they're all up each other's ass. Uh, and, you know, they think it's the greatest thing ever. And you got people like Road Dog down there in NXT. And he's saying on Corey Graves' WWE podcast that he didn't want to tell Roderick Strong and Matt Riddle what to do in a match he's producing. He's become a mark. It's sad. I agree. So it's no wonder it's like, it's like an indie free for all. I I just, I just don't get it. You've Uh, got triple H and Shawn Michaels and Brian James and all these people. And they're all jerking each other off. I mean, they're be a coach, be a critic, be honest. They can't be honest. I, I just don't get it. And I agree with you, brother. I mean, and because they care so much about being friends with the guys and not being their coaches or 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 like the wrestling parents, so to speak. And like the one thing that astounded me, which I think I heard this. Oh, wait, wait, you posted this clip, actually. It was of the revival talking about Ricky Morton was at the performance center okay and for the people that don't know who like ricky morton is he is one half of one of the greatest tag teams in the history of pro wrestling the rock and roll express if you want to know what it takes when it comes to tag team wrestling the art of pro wrestling psychology 
holding the crowd in the palm of your hand. Ricky Morton is a great example of that. And hell, which as a matter of fact, last year, uh, me, my wife, and my kids, we we went and we saw a, a show with Ricky. Uh, and literally, he did maybe 10 moves the whole entire match. And he had the crowd uh, in the palm of his hands the whole damn time. He is that good. And to hear that these younger wrestlers didn't even bother like to walk up to him, it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? You have wrestling royalty. Essentially, yeah. like with Ricky Morton. And if and Brad, like if me or you were to have that same opportunity, we'd be sitting there for hours picking Ricky's brain, saying, Hey, what can I do like with my character? What can I do like with my psychology and things like that? So that goes to show that like with these younger wrestlers that they think they, they, that they think that they know everything. It's the inflated sense of self-importance. And there's very few wrestlers out there that know and realize where, where they came from. And you talk about carrying cross. He's a prime example of somebody. He is a, he is one uh, uh, one uh, 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 of a dying breed uh, uh, of wrestlers throwbacks that that uh, th- that are clearly a star. He could main event WrestleMania tomorrow with Brock Lesnar, and that w- would be a-, a-, a money match because I think that Cross. He's wasting his time. He should have the NXT title right now if you're going to have him down there. He should be feuding with Drew McIntyre right now. I mean, I'm just saying, like, the man has done his time. He's traveled. He has sharpened his character just like just like iron sharpening iron, carrying sharpen his skills by traveling the world. And and you and uh, it just baffles me, dude. And you know someone else that 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 I put within that same category uh, uh, with being with like that dying breed. Um, which, as a matter of fact, they were both in TNA. So Cross was in TNA, and 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 they fucked that up because they cared more about hiring. Washed up, pot, uh, washed up potheads like Rob Van Dam and Dick Flippers that can't even use their gimmick to begin with because of the network they're on, right. and yet he, uh, Cross and Eli Drake are yeah. money. And why Drake? He's not signed with the WWE. That baffles me. Yes, I do love the NWA, but Drake is too good for that. Nick Aldis, he's the same way. I'm sorry, he's a talent that deserves to be on the highest stage now do you think that drake and do you think that aldis they're on the same level uh, uh, as a cross a mcintyre of styles i do yeah uh you know and, and again impact wrestling had those guys they've had so many guys over the years that were good that they misused or let go. It, it's really kind of incredible in a bad way when you think about it. 
But yeah, I, I just think they're that really sort of true travel polished wrestler that understands or gets the business. Eli Drake, uh, he's done phenomenal stuff in, in NWA, but the truth is it's just NWA. I mean, that's something I wouldn't have said, obviously, 30, 40 years ago. But the reality now is it's a much different scenario. Uh, so obviously he could be used on a bigger stage and he he deserves that opportunity. I mean, obviously, Eli specifically was in NXT. Uh, so maybe that's a, a failure in NXT's part. Um, you know, certainly to me, they're they're not a big success story. When you think about, you know, NXT is a feeder system as finding the top talent and developing them for the big roster, right? The main roster, the big boys. I don't think they've been like that successful. So, you know, I, I think those guys are a lost art in a lot of ways in wrestling today. Uh, you're seeing a lot more of the young bucks versus the carrion crosses. And if given a choice 10 times out of 10, I will take the carrion crosses over the young bucks. Yes. Because it's, realistic it's believable your disbelief will be uh more with a cross than someone like a um what's his name like the really really short dude uh marco stunts yes (laughs) how the hell did he get a contract with the uh, with an american company like that no, that's a great question. I have no idea. I mean, there's obviously a big buddy system at AEW, just to be very frank. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Marco Stun is another one of those indie darlings that they saw, you know, was getting a, a little bit of buzz on the Internet. And so they signed him. But I mean, the guy is he's legitimately under five foot tall. He looks honestly like he weighs. Uh, I don't know. Just being generous. He's got to weigh 110 pounds or less. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I and in the puzzling thing to all of this is, hey, if he's talented, maybe there's something he can do on in the company that isn't wrestling normal sized people and have <laughs> you believe he's going to beat them. Oh, shit. Look at the way they booked this guy. He's getting offense on Lance Archer, the murder hawk monster, they tell you. And then this guy goes through an entire sequence where he has to sell for fucking Marco stunt. And I, and it's just, it's embarrassing to watch. Yes, it is. And you were a hundred percent right on your review of the last pay-per-view with AEW. They completely destroyed the momentum with, uh, with uh, Luke Harper and like with Lance Archer, they, the booking, I don't understand. Why would you build up your two biggest monster heels just to have them lose? And Cody, I swear to God, he is Triple H 2.0 or Jeff Jarrett. Take your choice. Uh, but it's just kind of like Cody's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be different. We're going to be the alternative. No, you're following the same fucking steps that the WWE did. And wait, hold on. It was the year... Was it 2000? Wait, wait, hold on. on. It was 2003, the year of the burial for Triple H, uh, where he buried every single ex-WCW star that came in. And no offense, you look at someone like Goldberg facing Triple H. Who do you think is going to kick? Who do you think is going to kick ass? Goldberg's going to kick that guy's ass. 
But you look at someone like Lance Archer and Cody. Within like a real fight, Cody would get his ass handed to him. And you have wonderful tools like Jake Roberts. His promos have some of the best promos that that I've heard within the past few years, hands down. His promo work is phenomenal. And you pretty much flushed it all down the toilet saying, Jake, dude, screw you. We we don't value your contributions because of the way that we're booking this guy. And it's just kind of like, I just don't understand. And just one thing too, bleeding, that should be for payoff matches and for special moments. That shouldn't just be for the hell of it. And this past Wednesday, like with the Cody Rhodes Jungle Boy match, what the fuck was the point in him and Cody getting bladed? That made no sense. That was no payoff. It wasn't a pay-per-view. He just did it for the hell of it. And it makes him look like an idiot. My wife, who is a casual fan, thought he was stupid for doing that. And that's telling you something. Yeah. So, so I'm telling you right now, Cody has no. a ton of potential, but they're going to cannibalize each other with this buddy system. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing too, we talk about them cutting off these monster heels at, at the knees within a month or two. They're already starting that same pattern with Brian cage, Brian cage wins the battle Royal, the ladder match, the casino ladder. And, and now he's already getting a title shot against John Moxley for the AEW world championship. So again, you see with, Mr. Brody Lee, and you see with Lance Archer, and now a third person in a short amount of time, Brian Cage has come up, and he's getting a title shot. And so you've got three monster heels here, and and I'm really curious to see if this third, Brian Cage, is going to be cut off of the knees too within a month. Uh, Because where do you really go from here if... If you do that, I mean, and the top heel they have, MJF, who's not a monster in size, but he's the best heel they have. They've got him out there in the audience, in the audience, cheering like a mark, like a fan. And backing, backing down from Big Swole when she came out into the crowd, quote unquote, looking like he's scared. How on earth are you protecting your business? Your top guys, your top people in the company shouldn't be in the crowd acting like a fanboy and certainly not being afraid of a five foot nothing, a hundred nothing female wrestler. It made no sense. It's bullshit. And like he should have, based off like the television show, he should be sitting in the back in a private dressing room and if he claims that he's better than you then why is he hanging like with the peons why is he hanging with the rest of the crew it makes no sense and for me um and i don't know how big of a of like a tna fan you are but back in i think it was 2014 or 2015 something like that um ethan carter the third they had a storyline where he was petitioning for a world title shot for like over six months. And he did not lose a match the whole entire time. 
and then and then like the payoff was him winning like the world title for Matt Hardy and that put him over huge something similar they could do that for MJF because he's complaining saying hey where's my title shot where where's my title shot and they could say and they can give him 500 different reasons not to give it to him but he could keep winning and winning and winning and then the fans will think beyond a shadow of a doubt hey it's only a matter of time he deserves it and that's how you build a believable champion but just dude they're doing this stuff ass backwards but whenever you're having people like tony khan writing four shows within 15 God, minutes just awful oh yeah and then you got people like brian alvarez okay saying oh we don't need writers we don't need writers and saying that the numbers are fine but then one week later because Russo's not the topic oh yeah oh man like the uh, uh, oh yeah man like the numbers suck give me a damn break yeah yeah I just don't understand it. It baffles me. And I just think AEW, they have a ton of great talent, but but like with the buddy system, it does not work in pro wrestling, period. They're going to cannibalize one another and they're going to cut each other off at the knee to get ahead because that's how pro wrestling works. So for people that think, oh, yeah, we could be one big happy family. I'm sorry, but that does not exist in pro wrestling. Period. So yeah, I don't it's kind of it's kind of like Chris. If I had to make a comparison, uh, I don't know if you ever watched MTV's The Real World. Yes, it's where people it's they come in the house and they talk about when they finally start getting real. You know, as they would say. So yes. there's this honeymoon period. Everyone's happy to be there, and then shit gets real and it breaks off. And, and that is the way I, I see AEW and any wrestling company is they're in that honeymoon period where, you know, they're happy to be there and have you know, good paying jobs and lighter schedules, et cetera. But at the end of the day, they're eventually going to start some of those behaviors that you see in WWE. And that's going to be really fascinating to watch. I mean, because you can't tell me that Brody and Lance are happy right now with getting booked like they are. You can't tell me that they're like, oh yeah, like we're team players, no big deal. I do not believe that. I mean, because Lance was a big deal in Japan, okay? Uh, Brody was from the WWE. I can't say that he was a big deal. I mean, because technically Bray Wyatt made him, but just the fact that he came from a, a bigger company, he should recognize, okay, this is how this is how that I value like my character. And this is what what I'm willing to put up with. And people might talk shit when it comes like to Shawn Michaels back in, I think it was it was 94, five and six, but he spoke his mind and he normally got his way 90% of the time because he had balls to speak up to the boss. 
which if you're good enough, you can say anything and you will be able to get your way. You need to protect your business and your character because you are your own brand because you can be released just like that. And then what you're going to be, let's say you go to like the next company and you're remembered as a jobber. They're not going to want to pay you top dollar. You look at someone like uh, Zach Ryder, very talented, but I'm not going to pay him top dollar because he was a jobber. You look at someone like Dolph. Okay. Okay. One exception maybe would be Dolph Ziggler because he's that damn good. But you have like Kurt Hawkins, Zach Ryder. You have, wait, Drake Maverick got a new contract, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, and someone else that the, that like the WWE that they dropped the ball on was EC3. What heat did they have with him? Do you know? They just didn't see much in him. Did, did, uh, did you see much in him, honestly? I saw a little more in him than, I mean, I, I thought he was a mid-card guy, but I think he had a lot more potential than he was able to show. And I'm just going on the, based off of what I saw in Impact Wrestling. You know, that initial EC3 character, I saw the work he did with Matt Hardy in Impact Wrestling and some of the initial stuff with Dixie. And I thought, well, here's a guy who has a good look and who can cut a promo. And they're literally not giving him any time to cut a promo. <laughs> so I thought the way they handled him on the main roster was awful in WWE. And granted, not everybody can be champion, and he shouldn't be world champion, in my opinion. But I that agree. doesn't mean you can't make money off of him and do something with him in the mid-card that's entertaining. One of the things that I liked about Vince Russo's writing is he always had stories and characters for everybody. Even yeah. if you were in the mid-card, you could have a level of importance, and you could entertain people on the show. And and I think they could have done that with EC3, and they just didn't. Even Gilberg, he had a story. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I mean, you look at the Blue Meanie, Gilberg. You look at I. Uh, um, hold on a second. Um, Naked Midian. Good lord, Russo had storylines for everybody. <laughs> and it's funny because the WWE. They have like 30 writers and they can't even make storylines for 10 wrestlers. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think it's a bunch of bullshit politics and like the product is suffering. And it's funny because like the revival on like the Jim Cornette experience were pretty much they were confirming what we thought when it came to Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, Bruce, he's full of shit. He's a kiss ass. And Heyman, he's full of shit, but he's but he tries to convince you of his bullshit. So just yeah. And I just I don't know, man. And do you think they missed the boat with the revival as well or no? Do you think that they're just a team that they can go ahead from? 
I mean, I think they'll be fine without them, but I think they missed the boat with the revival. They were one of my favorite tag teams. Uh, and even maybe, you know, at one point, my favorite tag team. Why? Well, I've been watching wrestling fucking forever because I'm old. And I grew up on that Jim Crockett Promotions, WWF 80s tag team wrestling era, right? Which, God, was just so phenomenal. It was incredible. Like oh, I could so watch good. it. I could watch it today and it still stands the test of time. So they're a throwback to me um, to that. I just think they needed to have their characters evolve other than being a uh, a really good uh, tag team throwback. Because what does that really mean to anybody not in the bubble? It really means nothing. So they needed to evolve those characters like the tag teams in the 80s did, the Rock and Roll Express. They weren't just... Yeah, you know, Ricky Morton wasn't just a great seller. He was a great character. They were a great tag team. They were like rock stars. Um, so I think they really needed to evolve their characters on TV. And, and I don't know that was their fault. Obviously, it probably wasn't. Uh, it sounds like they were constantly emailing WWE Creative with ideas and asking for mic time, and they weren't getting it. And in fact, of course, the gimmick, as we now know, that they were given right before they were about to leave was in fact a parody of eighties tag team wrestling. Oh my God. They were literally told they were parried the, the midnight express, the rock and roll express, Arn and, and Tully. I'm, I'm like, how stupid are you guys to make fun of this really great thing? Uh, Today, like, I, I don't understand why you bury your own business and is successful business at that. But I, I don't understand, like the people who like that, maybe they get the joke, but they're not going to like it. Uh, and so I, I just didn't see the benefit to that sort of a character, except to humiliate them on the way out, which is indeed what I think they were trying to do. Uh, but that just goes to tell you all you need to know uh, their thoughts about tag team wrestling. And something like that, you know, they wanted to parody literally the greatest tag teams of all time. That That's really all you need to know. Oh, wow. Yes, you're right about that. And I think and you might think I'm nuts, but one of my favorite matchups with them was whenever they faced Enzo and and and, and uh, Kaz, it, they had great chemistry together. Hot, you hot match. About Oh God, yeah. Uh, which yeah. I think it, it, that was from Takeover Toronto, I believe. Um, I think I could be wrong, but uh, but that and you talk about missing the boat on people that could put asses in seats. Enzo Amore. Yeah, I don't care that the guy has a shitty attitude. He is money on the mic, and he's such a shit talker that you want to see him get his ass whooped, but you want to hear him talk at the same time. And it's like, something I find funny is that he gets fired for being falsely accused of something that he didn't do, but yet the same exact thing happened to the dream, the Velveteen dream, and the man got a world title shot. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain to me the hypocrisy there. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I never try to spend too much time with 
explaining anything surrounding WWE creative because there is no explanation for stupidity. I mean, there's no consistency and in, in, in the way they present their product is, I don't get it. But here's the thing that's interesting about Enzo, and I agree with you completely. Enzo is a star who should be working at a high level in WWE today. Uh, and they dropped the ball on that WWE. They didn't support him. They dropped the ball on that. And and they kind of blackballed them. And, and here's what WWE wants today. They want a guy who's going to go in there, who's going to do what they're told, who's going to play the system, go by the rules, and be moderately good and, and do their role, as opposed to a guy like Enzo who's going to come in. Yeah, he's going to piss some people off. But that's going to be the reason he sells tickets. That's going to be the reason you're able to get merchandise sales. He's a true star. Uh, and they had literally something there with him that is very unusual in the business today. And they dropped the ball on it. And in because today in wrestling, they're more concerned about being politically correct. And, and you have to fall in line and do what you're told. But those are the kind of personalities that were always stars in wrestling. Back in the day, they would tolerate that. Why? Because they're making a shitload of money. So, so back in the day, they would tolerate that to a degree because they knew these guys were stars and they had these larger-than-life personalities. Today, they don't want that. They don't care. They want you to fall in line and do what you're told and be politically correct. Well, it's kind of like what Ryback said. They're not making stars no more. It's no. basically no one's going to be bigger than the company because they don't want no wrestler dictating to them what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, and with with Enzo, he started in the wrong era. He should have been in the Attitude Era. He would have been over made, huge. Oh, God, yes. He would have made millions. And just, man, it's sad. And like Cass, he was a great compliment to uh, to Enzo because Enzo like would run his mouth and Cass would back it up for him. Yeah. So, uh, but unfortunately, like with Cass, back to like the whole politics thing from earlier. I mean, with the whole thing with being politically correct, which I don't support Cass's views on Trump but I support his right to speak how he feels. And the fact that he technically got freaking shunned for being so open, it was bullshit. And for example, like with Jackson Riker, I don't support what the man said. It was fucked up. It was weird. But at the same time, though, he has the right to say it. And for people out there that want to become they want to get sand in their vagina over it and get pissed off please stop and think to yourself how would you like somebody walking up to you saying hey that first amendment right that's gone you can't have it no more uh because you're saying something that i don't agree with you can't speak your mind no more so straight up that's bullshit and like with Kevin Owens, a Canadian telling a a veteran what they can say and not say that <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, okay. It... And Jackson fought 
so Kevin yeah. can tweet like he can, yeah. so Sammy can do his yeah. little snowflake bullshit. Yeah. I'm just saying, man, yeah. I just can't stand the hypocrisy. Yeah, and taking politics, political views out of that, uh, you you better be careful what you say in social media because you guys will be sharing a locker room together. And again, uh, this is a former Marine. This is a guy who is um, obviously in excellent conditioning. Um, and you got someone like Kevin Owens and, and um, you know, he's going to uh, trash talk and talk down to, to this guy. Again, that's your decision, but be careful what you wish for, because again, you guys will be sharing a locker room together and it's going to be a lot easier for you uh, to make a tweet like that than to have to say it to his face. Yep. And, but remember, Kevin's the prize fighter. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. prize eater, but okay, it's, it's oh, prize. Yeah. wait, <laughs> wait a second. I thought that was Nia Jax. Oh shit, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but but no, me and Brad, we can go on for hours. We can talk about life, wrestling, etc. But out of respect for Brad, he's got to get up in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. So, brother Brad, thank you so much for being. For being on my show tonight. Before we go, do do you got some last words? And do you have plugs? Plug away, brother. Yeah. So I would just say to people, if you're listening right now, and maybe you've been enlightened by uh, something I've told you or whatever, you know, follow me. Strike up a conversation. I'm always open to chatting, but uh, don't believe it unless it comes from the horse's mouth. If you have a question, ask me, Um, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. So don't judge me based on misinformation. Just ask me, have a conversation. I'm a person. Uh, So I think that's important to say. Uh, And you can follow me on Twitter and and engage me at the Brad Shepard, S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Give me a follow. Um, And of course, the Oh, You Didn't Know show. We have a Patreon for that. It's patreon.com forward slash Oh, You Didn't Know. Um, and then our our free weekly podcast comes out every Thursday on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify. Oh, you didn't know. Um, so check that out and uh, appreciate your support. Uh, yes, sir. And fantastic words. Great message. And your podcast, by the way, it is must listen. Please, guys, if you want to hear like the truth when it comes like the pro wrestling and this brutal honesty, please check out the, Oh, you didn't know podcast like with Brad, because honestly there's okay. This is a difference. You people want to put Brad within the same category as a dirt sheet writer. This is the difference. He Brad, he's a legitimate journalist. Dirt sheet writers are people that, pass false news off as fact and and a journalist is somebody that does their research and they present their information with facts backing up what they're saying there's a difference so brad he's not a dirt sheet writer he is a journalist so for all you dirt sheet writers out there take notes because you can one day be like brad you can I don't know. Be honest. Tell the truth. (laughs) And people might. Yeah, people will get pissed off at you. But the people that matter, 
they're going to respect you for it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the Inspired with Christopher show tonight. Brother Brad, thank you so much for joining me. And before we go tonight, we always have the Inspired Song of the Week. And you know what? What's coming to your mind right now, Brother Brad? What do you want the people to listen as we go out? How about uh, Bobby Furin, uh Don't Worry, Be Happy? I think considering the times, that's uh, a good song. That's fabulous right there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do the Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. And if you would, please check me out on Twitter at IamCHM911. If you want to contact me via email, IamCHM911 at gmail.com. Yes, I've joined the dark side on Twitter, on TikTok at IamCHM911. And you can check out our website at rcpodnetwork.com. We have all the wonderful websites, uh, uh, not websites, all of the wonderful podcasts on the Reality Check Podcasting Network. Um, so just please like, share, subscribe, leave a note, let us know what you think. And the same goes for Brad's platform as well. Please like, share, subscribe, rate, because we want to know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, because we don't take for granted that you guys are listening to us. The fact that within your busy lives that you're willing to take out one hour per week just to listen to us talk, that's very humbling. It's it's very, very... uh, We greatly respect you guys for that, and we are very appreciative so so if we can do something to make your experience better let us know or if we're doing perfectly fine let us know as well so so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much god bless you and have a safe blessed choice and wonderful night peace song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now.
Look at me, I'm at me. Don't worry. Be happy. I give you my phone number. When you worry, call me. I make you happy. Ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy, cause when you worry your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down, so don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, don't worry. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. I'm not worried.